Long years ago, we made a tryst with destiny. And now the time comes when we shall redeem our pledge. Not wholly or in full measure, but very substantially. At the stroke of the midnight hour, when the world sleeps, India will awake to life and freedom. Hi everyone and welcome to the very first episode of this podcast, Stroke of Midnight. This will be co-hosted by me, Sanket, and my best friend and schoolmate, Kapish. We came up with the name of this podcast because we finalized on this idea in the month of independence. To tell you very briefly about both ourselves, I am an avid uh, orator, a sports freak, and I bleed Liverpool red. Uh, my co-host, Kapish, he is a very passionate quizzer. Uh, and he shares some key interests with me in the areas of the paranormal, conspiracy theories, sports, politics, and whatnot. Now, I would let Kapish take you through as to why we came up with this idea of this blog, this podcast, and uh, what to expect from the first episode. Hey, thanks, Sanket. Uh, so... I think the major reason behind why we decided to go for this podcast was because we wanted to create something or develop something that we could call our own. Uh, we are two best friends from school who have been separated by distance, cities and a lot of involvement in our respective work and we've hardly had time to build something together and we've always wanted to do something like this and we are both very passionate storytellers. So we enjoy a good myth and that kind of led us into creating the, this podcast it has been a long time coming uh, but we hope that this will be as fruitful for all of you our viewers as it is for us so over to sanket uh, to tell us what our viewers should be expecting from today's podcast what is our podcast all about sanket today tell us uh without giving too much of a cue right at the very beginning uh I think uh, what I would like to tell is that today's podcast deals with one of the key instruments of Indian independence and this key instrument remains extremely relevant today and will be a key part of India's tomorrow as well in connecting people, in connecting ideas and getting things from point A to point B. As you might have rightly guessed, it's the Indian Railways. Uh, as to what to expect from the very first episode, in the very first episode, we will seek to discover uh, how India got one of its beloved beverages uh, because of the Indian Railways. Uh, we will also find out how one of the dishes uh, that are very famous today actually finds its name from one of the key incidents that took place involving the Indian freedom struggle and the railways. How certain key figures in the Indian independence actually utilized the Indian railways and uh, what what role it played in shaping uh, the future of the freedom struggle. So that is what we will be discovering in this episode. Kapish, I would let you take our listeners through the very first anecdote regarding how we got one of our beloved beverages because of the Indian railways. Uh, so yes, Ankit, I actually have a very uh, interesting uh, tale to tell about uh, the beloved beverage of our country. Uh, and, and yeah, we are talking about tea. 
so interestingly tea was never of indian origins it had nothing to do with india it was kind of given to us by the britishers and this thing goes back to around 1800s when uh, the british and china were involved in the opium war and the majority tea that the britishers were consuming back then used to come from china so the britain was kind of looking for an alternate market where they could grow and start selling tea as well and then they kind of zeroed in upon two countries one was sri lanka the other was india so in around 1840 the first 80000 saplings of tea were planted in areas around darjeeling and assam in india uh, where the britishers kind of felt that the temperature and the soil condition was optimum for tea growth they felt it kind of resembled the climate of china a lot closely than the other indian landscape and that is how the britishers gave india tea but uh, the indians were not really accustomed to the taste of tea and for the very long time uh, tea was kind of restricted only for the britishers in india the british regime in india it was not available to indians Uh, but it was in the 1900s when britishers realized that uh, now that you know they are creating you know surplus amount of tea they needed a uh, market to sell it so they came up with this initiative where they started free sampling of tea at almost all major platforms across our country yes there used to be hoardings advertisements and all of that used to happen at stations and platforms and the tea was sold to indians for free now eventually they started adjusting tea to indian taste they added more spice to it the tea had been you know blended for a longer time it started getting uh, creamier and you know by the time it was 1930s indians were officially addicted to tea right and this is how indians came about liking tea and obviously this is a beverage which is so inseparable for the people of our country today and you know we cannot think about you know starting a day uh, without a glass of tea that was extremely insightful kapish and uh, i think our listeners will also agree with it uh, now taking a cue from this incident uh, i have another key incident to share with our viewers uh this incident has received a lot of media attention it has got a lot of portrayals in various movies dramatizations involving key freedom fighters and we will get to know very soon as to why it got uh, so much of media coverage so this is the kakodi conspiracy uh the kakodi trained dacoity as uh, it has been called uh, in various instances Uh, so this was a train robbery that took place between Kakodi. So Kakodi, this place is basically near Lucknow. Uh, this incident happened way back uh, on ninth August nineteen twenty-five, uh, and it was uh, given shape and executed by the Hindustan Republic Association. Uh, if you do a little bit of reading, you will find out that this was basically the brainchild of Ram Prasad Bismil and Ashfaqullah Khan. and certain key figures aiding this entire uh, in uh, uh, execution of this operation were uh, chandrashekhar azad and also rajendra laheri uh, sachindra bakshi keshav chakravarti and mukundi lal to name a few now to what really happened uh, on the night so on 9th august 1925 the number 8 down train was basically traveling from shahjahanpur to lucknow Uh, and it was approaching the town of kakodi 
uh, where one of the revolutionaries pulled the emergency chain to stop the train and subsequently overpowered the guard. It is believed that they looted that specific train because it was carrying money bags which belonged to the Indians and were being transferred to the British coffers. They looted only these bags and escaped to Lucknow. The objective was to fund their movement and also garner public attention. So this incident basically gave them a lot of mileage. And if if one has watched the uh, Bhagat Singh movie which contained Ajay Devgan also, this incident is very, very uh, well portrayed. Uh, so that leads us to as to how significant this incident actually got. Uh, and even today, at that very spot where the train robbery took place, they have actually built a, a memorial of sorts to commemorate the occasion. And it receives a facelift, I believe, on uh, August 9th. Uh, that is the day on which uh, this incident, this dacoity took place. And on December 19th, I believe, which is the day in the subsequent year, 1926, when Ram Prasad Bismil and Ashfaqullah Khan were actually hanged by the British. Uh, even to this day, I believe that this was one of the key acts of defiance. Uh, there were a lot of uh, unsuccessful train robberies uh, which were uh, carried out. But this was one of those train robberies which uh, kind of hit the British right in the heart. And it brought to prominence uh, freedom fighters like I just named, uh, Chandrasekhar Azad, which later went on to associate with Bhagat Singh and Rajguru and the likes. Uh, so it was a very, very key incident uh, with regard to India's uh, struggle against the British. But Kakod is not only famous for the trained dacoity. In fact, it has a different facet to it, which I think Kapish will tell us about. Kapish, why don't you take it up? Hey, thanks, Ankit. I think that was very insightful. Also, I didn't really know that the, the Kakori incident happened on the 9th of August. I think that also adds to the relevance of this month for Indian independence also more, right? So, uh, there's actually a very interesting legend about uh, the Nawab of Kakod. I think he was Nawab uh, Sayyid Haider Kamzi who back in time arranged a party for his British accomplices. So, so I think the major idea for all Indian royalty back then was to please the British imperialism and the Nawab obviously had the best Avadi cuisine served for his foreign friends including the very popular Sikh kebabs, right? And he had this lavish khatirdari that took a major setback when the British official, his friend, who made a very mean remark about the course, he said that the texture of the kebabs was very chewy. So this offended the Nawab, who was an Indian royalty, and he asked all of his rakabdars and his khansnamas to design a very tender version of that kebab the very next day. The cooks then got into the kitchen and they were locked for days and nights to create a more refined variant of the kebab. And then I think after about 10 days of very rigorous experimentation, they came up with what we now popularly know as kakori kebabs. Now these kebabs are supposed to be very fine and have a smooth texture. And this was actually the first incident where people started using fruits to tenderize the kebab meat. In the sense, in this case, it was the Malibali mangoes, which are very famous from the Kakor district of Lucknow that were used as the tenderizing agent. Eventually, the Kakori kebabs would just leap across the boundaries of Kakor and they would become popular all throughout our country as we know them today. But Sanket, having talked about this, I think we will not be doing justice to this episode if 
we were to not discuss the significance that our railways had had on our freedom struggle in the sense that i understand that the britishers designed the railways to support their means but then of course we had our very prominent indian freedom fighting figures who used the railways to hit the britishers back so tell us something about that sanket you are right kapish uh, uh, any talk about the indian freedom struggle uh, would be incomplete if we actually do not cover uh, the key figures in the indian freedom struggle and uh, the very first one among them is none other than the father of the nation our beloved mahatma gandhi and how he utilized the indian railways so i would like to you know put it under three heads uh, mahatma gandhi basically used railways uh, to fund the indian freedom struggle via collection of funds uh, using it as symbolism and to address mass gatherings now how did he do it so a lot of us have read about mahatma gandhi have seen uh, in 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 uh, in his films that he was basically ill treated in south africa in peter maritzburg to be specific when he was traveling in the first class he was thrown out because he was of a different uh, skin color and he was told that he does not um, uh, qualify to enjoy the privileges of this class so he came back to india and in 1970 i believe he penned a book which mentions traveling third class in the indian railways and then when uh, once his uh, freedom movement caught uh, shape and it caught some momentum so a lot of this traveling was done in the third class carriages of the indian railway now what it did was it brought him closer to the variety of you know people across india dispersed and and you know brought them in unison uh, because here was somebody who did not belong to the privileged class here was somebody who was who was traveling with them experiencing the problems with them and uh, spoke a common language dressed the common way let us not uh, forget that a vast majority of the indians back then were poor so the symbolism of of traveling in the third class was very relevant to his movement and also the fact that he utilized indian railways for the uh, daily running of his organization so collection of funds is a very key aspect of running any organization and uh, whenever he would go to address mass gatherings or whenever his train would actually pass any of the important jun- junctions he would request the youth uh, uh, you know uh, to actually collect funds from the people in the vicinity of that area and quickly hand over uh, it to him uh, once the train would stop for a minute or two uh, there are numerous instances of him doing this in stations like pune in baroda and and you name it and he has been there also the third very important and crucial factor was how he addressed uh, mass gatherings at railway stations so basically it began a a a a, a series of lectures from atma gandhi where he would actually interact with vast amounts of people at railway stations because it was so feasible going from point a to point b uh, and and you would actually be shocked or surprised to know that you know this demonstration of uh, spinning the wheel was actually given by mahatma gandhi to thousands of people standing at the madras railway station so that's how closely he actually utilized the indian railways uh, for his benefit and for the indian freedom struggle uh, but any talk of the indian freedom struggle will be incomplete without the other key personality that we plan to cover rightly said sanket 
I think the man that I'm going to talk about now needs no introduction. He's been a cornerstone of Indian freedom struggle. He's been a myth. He's been an enigma. Very little was known about his life, even more little about how he went about things. I think one of the greatest mysteries that India has been yet to solve is about his death, you know, because very little is known about how he died and in what conditions he died or did he really ever die. So I'm going to talk about Netaji Subhash Chandra Bose and how he orchestrated the first great escape, as I like to call it. It's the fateful night of January 16th, 1941, if I'm not mistaken. And his nephew, Sisir Kumar Bose, kind of drove him out of his family home at Elgin. Now, Netaji at that point of time was under house arrest by the Britishers. Uh, they kind of felt that he was becoming a danger that was looming over the British imperialism and they felt that he needed to be inside his house. Right. So, his uh, Netaji's nephew, Sisir Kumar Bose, kind of drove him to Gomo Station in Bihar. From there on, he boarded the all-time famous Kalka Mail. Back in time, this train was known as the Peshawar Express. The train kind of ran from Howrah to Peshawar. And Netaji, disguised as a, fic as a fictional North Indian insurance agent by the name of Muhammad Ziauddin, uh, took this train from Gomo and fled to Peshawar where he was greeted by uh, the frontier Gandhi. And I think from Peshawar he would go on to Russia and eventually he would land in Hitler's Germany from where he would try to orchestrate uh, the downfall of the British Empire in India. But then that has been all about the historical bits of this. But then Sanket, considering the fact that you had very close associations from your family and to the Indian railways, why don't you tell us something interesting about the Peshawar Express, now known as Kalkamil, and what significance does it hold for the Indian Railways? A lot of our listeners uh, might actually be wondering what actually is the significance of the name of the episode that is one up, two down, and what correlation does it have with uh, everything that we have discussed so far. So let me tell you that one up, two down was basically the name of Kalka Mail. So every train has a number today, you know, uh, uh, basically related to its journey. Every train is given a number and the number given to Kalka Mail was one up, two down. Why was this number given to Kalka Mail and uh, does it continue to be in action today? Let us find out. So Kalka Mail was first commissioned in the year 1866. So it continues to be in operation for more than 150 years. That's, a, that's the first bit that we know about this train. Now, when they were actually building the railways, uh, they went about a sequential and a phased-wise expansion of the, of the railway lines. So if we talk about the Eastern Corridor, which linked the railways to the northern one, that is Delhi and beyond. So first we see that the lines were from Howrah here in West Bengal, Calcutta, to Hooghly the Hooghly district of Bengal. Then it was expanded to Aligarh. From Aligarh, it was ultimately expanded to New Delhi. Now, when the lines were laid down and connected from Howrah to New Delhi, the very first train that was run to connect this long stretch was the Kalka Mail. Hence, it was called One Up and Two Down. Now, uh, there is another key significance of this train. Uh, as most of us know that Calcutta used to be the, wind, uh, the summer capital of the British Empire in India. 
the winter capital was actually designated as Shimla. Now, uh, to ensure that travel happens uh, from the summer to the winter capital during the transition months, the Kalka Mail was used. And it was one of the key operations of the Kalka Mail uh, to carry British officers, uh, people of in authority, uh, even the likes of the Viceroy from Howrah Station to Shimla, uh, and how Kalka basically is an intermediate point. So from the Kalka uh, uh, station, you have a smaller gauge, which then connects Kalka to Shimla. So that's how the travel would actually take place. Even today, you would find, uh, you know, nuances of this travel uh, alive uh, in the Howrah station that, that we find. So, you know, there were ways built so that the Viceroy and other high-ranking officials could access the train directly without having to travel the entire length of the other platforms and, you know, uh, passing through the commoners. There was a direct way to these platforms for these VIPs. Even today, this, this stretch of road is actually relevant and is known as the cab road. So that the Viceroy's carriage would directly drive up to the wagon. He would get down, board the train and the train would set foot, set off. So this is the significance of this train. The train has been in action for more than 150 years and it continues to serve people with a smile, but of late, the non-imperial ones. Wow, Sanket, that was surely an interesting bit of trivia. Having myself walked down the cab road so many times, I for sure was not aware of this. And with that, we come to the wrap of the first episode. Uh, I hope that you guys enjoy listening to this as much as we've enjoyed creating this. Uh, we'll be back soon with our second episode where we're going to deal with the famous war cries, slogans and the songs from the Indian freedom movement. The songs that kind of galvanize the Indian populace. Uh, we're going to call this episode The Color of Spring. So do tune in for the next episode to know more about these songs and slogans and why we have this catchy name for our episode. Thank you so much and we'll be back.